Brad Hennick. <laughs> Thank you, Marty. Um, today's a little bit different. We're going to have some sharing time from class members. I, I've emailed the folks from MANA and asked who was willing to share a bit about their spiritual pilgrimage through Israel. Those of you that are willing from MANA to share that I've emailed, could you raise your hand so I can get a head count? Mark, Darren, can you help me here? One, two, three, four, five, six. Half a dozen. Okay, half a dozen. What we'd like to do is kind of have a kind of a two-part class. I want to take about 30 minutes and let you hear the heartbeat of the folks who went to Israel. And really, folks, this is not a travel log. We're not going to hear. are not going to hear about you know the big shofar you bought or whatever it happens to be. This is not that. That's not important. But we want we want to talk about how going to Israel made a difference in the lives of your brothers and sisters. What being in the land means and what that did to your heart and to how you view scripture, etc. So I wanted to give Manna a chance to hear what that's like. And then I'm going to do probably 20 minutes at the end. I want to give you a bit of a geopolitical overview of God's strategic plan for Israel, past, present, and future. So we'll kind of wind up with that. So if you're willing to share what I need, I need I'm going to need whoever shares to come up here. Take about three, four, or five minutes each, no more. And I need you up here because this is where the microphone is. So... Who wants to lead off? I'm going to kind of facilitate this. Who wants to start us off? Do I need to pick? Okay, Doug or Holly, whoever, both, one in. Let's go. I'll volunteer. Go, go. Thanks, Doug. Um, and I don't need four or five minutes, but Holly and I were talking about this. I've got a lot of, this could be a travel log. This could be a lot of different instances, but... Um, the two that stuck out were one morning, one gorgeous, calm morning, sailing on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I not only could, was looking out across to Tiberias and across to where the Decapolis would have been and that area, and <coughs> not only thinking that, you know, it, it was a lot of years ago, but the guys were out here fishing together. The guys were out here worshiping together and traveling together and and asking Jesus to save him from the storm together and you know he was with them out here and, and I looked at Holly I said we're not not are we cruising where Jesus was cruising and the, and the disciples but we're cruising where he walked at the same time and it just it really it's just a morning and a memory that I'll never ever forget it being out there and and visually being able to see and visualize all that I'd read since a child, and being there um, was just was just fabulous. And then um, another day, probably another morning, um, in the Antonio Fortress, probably at the site. I guess they're not 100 percent sure, but probably at the in the room where he was beaten and spit upon, and and we could see in the tiles still some of the grooves where the the Roman soldiers played their games with casting lots um, that I knew that story I just didn't realize they had done that a lot with other prisoners and, and that's why it was permanently grooved into the, the flooring it was a common thing they did with the prisoners to talk them and to cast lots for their their clothing or whatever valuables they had but to be in there and, re, and, and, and the vision that kept popping into my head besides that was from the passion of the Christ that brought home visually the scourging and 
I could see and feel the and, and visualize that going on, you know, and the beatings here in this room, and and reminding myself that it was it was my scourging. It was what the flesh should have been torn from my back. Um, that all those things, and including the nails in my flesh, should have been mine that I deserved that he paid for me and being there just was <clears throat> was just very powerful also there are many other things but those I don't want to spend um, much more time but there were those were two big instances big memories from that trip that'll that'll never leave me so thank you Ollie thanks Doug um. <clears throat> You weren't supposed to be sitting right there. <laughs> Close to my colleagues. Yeah, yeah, I know. They probably don't got it. Okay. Um, so two things. Jesus has been my Lord and Savior since I was nine years old. August 1968. You do the math. And um, <laughs> into vacation Bible school. So, uh, but I was raised in a Christian home. He's always been my Lord and Savior since that moment. I've known him as the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning and the end and the shepherd and all those things. But he never was a historical figure to me until this trip. Um, I've spent 30 years with the world history teacher, and we've had the privilege of traveling all over the world together. And there's always a, well, you know, this war took here, and in 1132 this happened here, and you know, this people group did this. And I'm like, how do you remember that stuff? But never did things come alive like it came alive on this trip. Um, because seeing, I mean, you know, this is where Abraham Lincoln died. This is where Washington slept. But now we're where Jesus walked. And we're in a synagogue where um, we see the foundation that we know by dating is the foundation of the synagogue that Jesus taught in. And we are in Capernaum where he lived. Most of his ministry was spent for those three years. We're in Bethlehem. Um, I'm sure it didn't look like that there where we were there, but Bethlehem where somewhere there he was born and we were in Nazareth and even though driving through and um, then we drive down the road and we see this is Magdala. Oh yeah, Mary Magdalene is from there. You can't really put into words that experience and um, there was a little notebook that was given to us by the travel group before we left and the final thoughts were this. Uh, early departure from home, this is our, this is our uh, for home, this is our last page. Early departure for home after fulfilling a lifetime dream of seeing, touching, and breathing the very places we've only read about until now. So sorry. Arriving home, our Bible will never be the same, for it will be alive in front of our eyes and our hearts forever. And um, that... Besides Jesus being a historical figure, I mean, I know he lived. I didn't doubt it. I take the Bible literally, every bit of it. I don't question one word of it on a good day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, but so I, I didn't doubt he was alive, but to hear people who aren't even believers talking about Jesus, and that's the thing for us is that when we, um, David and Anna, who are, um, are practicing Jewish tour guides who are not believers know the Bible better than most of us or maybe, maybe many of us in this class. And to watch, them, to watch them turn here and there and one verse or another and to read to us and knowing they don't believe that he was other than a historical figure. 
So I think one of the most important two lessons, the first one was he was a historical figure, and part of that is if he's only a historical figure, we have a major problem eternally. And the fact that he was um, now is to me both a historical figure and my savior, personalizes it for me in an amazing way. Um, <clears throat> so we're standing in the Valley of Elah, where David and Goliath were, and you can pick your Bible up and begin reading, which three or four of us did together. And on this hill the Philistines stood, oh yeah, there's that hill. And on this hill the Israelites stood, and oh look, there's that hill. And then Goliath was in the valley, oh look here, and here we are in a dry creek with many round stones, smooth, small stones that we're going to assume were not imported from Canada or something. <laughs> because we all took a lot, and I'm sure everybody else did too. Um, but there was a moment in the Sea of Galilee, and these guys, um, Doug and I, and these two folks who'd never met before, and never even spoken really until that morning, I opened my Bible and I said, let's just read this while we're on the Sea of Galilee. And we did that. And it just, well, walking by the Sea of Galilee, okay, that's like somewhere around here. Got it. We saw two brothers, Simon who's called Peter and Andrew his brothers, casting a, note in the, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And of course, later now, it's James and, you know, um, John and we sit and we say it was here and then he went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues that would be there there's Capernaum and um, he cast the pigs um, this, the demons into the swine and they went down a steep hill and there's the only one on Galilee's there so um, to me it was this historical figure Jesus became but it was also I never really understood how alive it would become Every single day, um, I work really hard at every day reading, being God's word, and every day since that day, something every single day I've read has come alive. Mm -hmm. Jerusalem, Bethlehem, whatever it is. Brad's teaching two weeks ago, I began to make little tick marks. I think you read Nahum three times, immediate visual picture. That day, Roger, about ten times. So mm -hmm. I would encourage you to do it, and I would encourage you, if you can, to go and... Um, you just won't understand until you've experienced it. Thanks for understanding. Uh, Stuart, you ready? All right, sure. Okay, then we'll do Dave, then we'll do Carolyn, okay? Just guys you know. I have Scott's Brenda's not here. Do I get her minutes, too? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you when to go. I'll tell you when to stop. Go. <clears throat> well, first of all, some of you may not know, but I have a Jewish background, too. So not only was it a blessing from a Christian standpoint, but also from a Jewish standpoint. So I got to see the Old Testament come to life and the New Testament come to life. And really, if I had not been a believer in Jesus, it really wouldn't have had the same meaning. So that really brought to life is uh, our, our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach. We have a prayer in Hebrew that we pray constantly, especially at Passover, Lashana Haba'ah Birushalayim, next year in Jerusalem. And it's the prayer for all Jewish families to sometime in their lifetime go to Israel. And what a blessing for me, uh, my first full day in Israel was my 59th birthday, and I finally made it to, to Yerushalayim in Israel. So it was fabulous. Um, Boy, so many great sights. Um, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall was special to me. Um, being Jewish, they asked me, I said, yes, I'm Jewish. They put the phylacteries on me, and I got to pray alongside all the many Orthodox Jews up there, um, fervently praying. So that was special, but relationships are so important. 
Nice to see Steve and Patty. It was so great to meet so many wonderful people on this trip. A lot of them were from our Sunday school class, but I really hadn't, hadn't gotten to know them. So I'd just like to share one story that meant so much to me. Um, I did pretty well not breaking down at various sites. I thought I would at Masada, at the Wailing Wall. But the one time was we went to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum in Israel. And growing up Jewish, I've known people that um, survived, that had the tattoos. I had known many family members, not my family members, friends, that had lost their Jewish grandparents in the Holocaust. I've been to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., been to the one in Los Angeles. I've seen it all. It's not shocking to me. But yet, whenever I go there, it's so hard before I even walk in. I start thinking, my mother's side from Germany, my father's side from Russia, that we came so close that, first of all, I wouldn't have been born that I think about my parents who, who would have been killed in, in, in the concentration camps. But what a blessing to have brothers and sisters in the Lord. Pastor Roger and a few were sharing about before we walked in, and I was trying to hide my emotions, and I was starting to lose it. And I don't like to cry in public, so I'm trying to you know, bite my chin and do different things and pinch myself. But I, was, I could definitely see that I'm going to start breaking down. And I just praise God for Doug and Holly, because they, the Holy Spirit, um, led them. Doug came over, and he put his arms around me. And it was so comforting. And not only that, but he walked the entire museum with me. And he's a history teacher, so I'm sure there's a lot of things that he wanted to see and, and do, but he stayed with me the whole time. And it will show Christian love right there. And that meant so much. So thank you, Doug, for doing that. It was, it was a great experience. And just meeting so many other people. Um, where's Joy and Danny? Are they here? Oh, we had a wonderful time. We don't have time because Brad will kick me out. But if you want, we can share a couple good stories about getting lost in the Israel Museum. And I don't know if, if, if Joy is going to be able to share, but afterwards you have to ask her about uh, almost not making it back from uh, Israel. They pulled her aside. So anyways, thank you and thanks again. Thank you. By the way, th these are just intros. If you want to know more, grab these folks and talk with them. Not a problem. Okay. Uh, Chris, are you next? Dave? I'm sorry, Dave. Come on. And then Joanne. Who we got? Da -da -da -da. Cynthia, how's your vertigo? All right. You just stay put. Don't, don't trip over. Okay. Dave? Hello. So I'm, I'm Dave, and that's Tina. We're new to Valley. We don't live in Bakersfield. We live in Lebec. And um, we came to Valley, and we saw the Israel trip, and we jumped because we always wanted to go, and it never was right. But then that seemed right, and it was wonderful. So um, Israel, uh, 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 unbelievable, hard, hard to describe. It's, it's almost indescribable in a, in a lot of ways. Um, I just want to sort of, instead of maybe telling you about Israel, I want to tell you some of the things that I gleaned from the trip. And um, we were at Caesarea Philippi, which is at the base of Mount Hebron Range on the south, close to the Syrian border, and it's really out in the sticks. There's this big crusader castle over, overshadowing everything, probably built around the 12 or 1300 A.D., um, there's Roman ruins there, but anyways, it's a big cave, and one of the um, headwaters of the Jordan comes out of this cave, and um, and there's a lot of niches 
where, where the, the Romans had, had put in the, the Greek gods that they had, they had um, borrowed from, from, from the, the Greeks. And um, I'll just read you here in, in Matthew 17. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say also to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, or himself, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. And, and you know, right, that's, he's standing there at this cave, was, was a pagan, it, it, it was a, a, a pagan, um, temple that they worshiped it was the gates of Hades and Jesus is right there at the gates of Hades saying you know what upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it so he's saying all this paganism is not going to overshadow the church that he's building upon himself and um, you know that really that really struck me because um, for one thing that's a that's a difficult verse to a lot of people and and it came became so simple and I was thinking, well, okay, we have God the Father, and He's all-powerful. And then what? A lot, you know, people think a lot of times Satan and his demons are, are like sort of like number two, but Christ is saying, no, the church is. He's saying the church shall not be prevailed upon by these, these pagan religions that are basically headed, headed by Satan. And, and to me, that's the people. That's because we're the church. We're the ecclesia. And... and um, and the lesson is that we have power. We're, we're, we have power over him, not vice versa. The other, um, the other thing that was meaningful to me is, is, you know, the one God who, through the promised son Isaac, said, um, this is your land, you're my covenant people, and this land's everlasting covenant, and... And I could see that over there. I could see that, that, like, you know, we, it's the one true God. So it's, it's like repent unto God the Father, believe unto the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and receive the Holy Spirit. And so the one God manifested in, in the Trinity, and you could see all that. You could see how the Father had brought him back into the land. You could see the Son ministering and, 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 establishing the church and you could see how all the prophets and all the all the things they did they were empowered by the holy spirit of god and um and to me that was um pretty remarkable that it just opened my eyes and it did it just completely opened my eyes so thank you appreciate it so much dave and tina wonderful wonderful people we got to meet them carolyn selena you are the next Okay, it was wonderful. We had a great time. This is what was personally the best for me. Um, it was the Sabbath, and so our guide didn't go with us. And so Roger was in charge, and we stopped at the side of the road. It was just the side of the road, and it was next to the Sea of Galilee. And Roger said, I can't say for 100% certain that this is where this happened, but it fits everything. And he read the story of the demon-possessed man who had been wild in the caves and you could look up and you could see the caves and the tombs where those would have been and you looked over and you could see where the city would have been and around the sea there's not a lot of places and you could see where 
the pigs that the demon-possessed man, the, the legion of, of demons went into, and the pigs could have run down and fallen into the, the sea. And Roger did a lot of preaching. It was short. It wasn't, you know, a whole sermon. And so he, he went on and he read how the man, after he was released from the demons, begged Jesus to go with him. And I'd read that story many, many times. And I've got a lot of health problems, and to be honest, there's been times when I said, I can't do this anymore. Take me. And Jesus told him no, and it had always, always bothered me. Why? There's so many times in Scripture where Jesus tells people to do things and they don't do them. Here this man was begging to be his disciple. Why did Jesus tell him no? And Roger says, well, we can't say for sure, but we know that this town became a Christian town. It's listed in everything in the first century. How did this town know? This man had to have told people. And he didn't know theology, and he didn't know all of but he knew what Jesus did for him. And I was so encouraged to do what that man did and hopefully be faithful and continue to tell others. And, just, and so my prayer is that I would be faithful. And it was such an encouragement to me standing on the side of the road with cars going by. <laughs> and, and, this, and there was even a sign that said laying mines over. But it was such an encouragement. <laughs> and, and so that for me was, there was marvelous things, but that for me. I also have scrapbooked a lot, so if anybody wants to look at it later, it's not done, but you're welcome to look at scrapbooking. Thank you, Carolyn. Do you want to share Cynthia sitting down? Are you okay with that? Just you can think about it. I'll let Selena talk first. If you want to, I'll give you an opportunity. Um, it was my second time going to Israel. Uh, in 2012, I had the opportunity, and I it's huge because I come from a, a Catholic background, and um, I don't know. Since become I become a Christian and start reading the Bible, I have never owned a Bible until I become Christian in 1998. And I, I fall in love with the story of Jesus. I knew Jesus because um, my grandpa was a um, very devoted Catholic. And uh, we prayed the rosary every Sunday, but we always sang a song that um, in Spanish is, que alegría cuando me dijeron vamos a la casa del Señor. Ya están tocando vuestros pies, tus umbrales, Jerusalén. So, he said, what a happiness when they told me we are going to the house of the Lord. Our feet are touching the, like the, the doors of Jerusalem. So every time um, the bus gets, when we are um, going to um, Jerusalem, it goes through the Mount of Olives. And I begin to feel this tightness of the chest, like I'm going home. Like I'm going to, you know, uh, the house of the Lord. And I know Jesus lives in our heart and we have it, but it has a very, very special meaning. Um, the first trip was very emotional for me um, because everything was new and I was walking on the steps of Jesus. And on the second trip, I have the um, experience of being in this class and Brad has taught me so much and Pastor Roger. So we went through the whole book of Nehemiah and many other books. So I went with a lot more knowledge and again being on the same place and seeing the same things have a different and more profound meaning on me. Um, uh, one time we went to the Herodian. It was, we went to so many places that Herod the king had built. And now they are all ruins, they are all 
you can see that they were amazing on the times when they were built, but now there's nothing but piles of rocks. And then it can just say a realization to my heart that whatever we build here on this earth, you know, is not to stay, but we have, Jesus has nothing, has nothing, and yet look at his story and how he's still touching lives every day, and Herod is dead, and his castles are down, and it so is what we do for Jesus that really has meaning in this life and not what we do with material. So it was a lot of life lessons for me, a lot of, um, and, and then I keep thinking, um, I'm not a very good speaker, as you can see. <laughs> I keep thinking, how can I give my kids those lessons? And I pray and pray every day when we were in Israel. Oh, please, Lord, really let everything I'm learning stay in my heart and I don't forget. And, and I ask, Jesus, why do you allow me to come for the second time? And, and then I, I know that seeing it so real now I, I usually both places both times I went I took this Bible with me and every time Pastor Roger say well I, I did this to my Bible so now I'm here and I opened that and I know I was there and I usually tell my friends I was there I was there <laughs> <laughs> poor Sharon I think <laughs> so um, it's just life lessons that you see it so real and um, uh, another just very quick that my good friend got baptized and uh, it was really a really really neat experience thank you Perry and Cynthia climb um, Masada with me we climb it walking it was a really good experience but those are like um, the secondary pleasures of being there <laughs> thank you for everybody who floated on the Dead Sea with us <laughs> it was really nice so yeah I encourage everybody to go not one time, but two times. <laughs> Hello, family. Family. Families. Um, actually, our our blessing started before we even left, and um, Joy and I had made a decision not to go this year um, because of family issues and personal things, and then. One afternoon, Cynthia said something to the effect of, well, you're going, aren't you, Joy? Or you should go, Joy. Or, and that started it rolling. And then Pastor Roger um, said it would be awesome if you could go. And so we went. And there's a couple of things that, were, that stood out to me. Um, one, we went to church, St. Anne's Church. And there was a Nigerian group there that was singing, and we sang with them. And then... Um, Brad led us in Amazing Grace, and they sang with us. And afterwards, I was talking to Brad, and he said, well, what you felt was the Holy Spirit, and it was awesome. And I'll take his word for it. Um, another thing was, like Doug said, when we were on the Sea of Galilee, um, they stopped the boat. It was quiet. It was still. It was serene. And Pastor Roger spoke, and that really touched me. I was going to try not to do this. I thought I'd seen it all, and then I saw Rob hugging a camel. 
Immediately getting off the plane, I recognized that Israel was a, a land of stones and rocks. And then I, I kept thinking about that, and I know that God wanted it preserved. And how better to preserve your works than in stone? And it was all still there. Very, very real. We, we picked up stones like David would have, as, as Holly said. And we saw a stone in the foundation of the wall that was um, 740,000 pounds. And you ask yourself, how did they get this in place? I, I, I still, I, I don't know how they could get a 740,000 pound stone in place. Um, we stood in front of a 4,000 year old gate that was still intact. And they surmised that at some point they filled the gate full of mud and that's what preserved it. And it was still there and they, I believe they call it Abraham's Gate. Um, we overlooked the Valley of Armageddon. I mean, if that doesn't get your attention, nothing will. Uh, before I went, I was claustrophobic. And Holly, Holly was very sympathetic, and I found out later why she's claustrophobic. And we were in a number of tunnels, and now I'm not claustrophobic. It, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing. You know, all of these things were important, and one of the things that was the most important is that I got home with joy. She almost didn't get through security in Israel. <laughs> Somehow she had a six-inch razor blade in her luggage, oh, in her carry-on luggage. And we still are not quite sure how that happened. Um, but they told her in, in security, you have a knife in your bag. And she said, no, I don't. Oh, yes, you do. And they called security, they called the supervisor, and they discussed it. And Holly... How do they know it was in her bag and not your bag? She was carrying it. <laughs> <laughs> Whose bag is it? It's hers. It's hers. Yeah. <laughs> One of us was coming home. <laughs> One of us was coming home. He was going to leave me there. <laughs> I want to take her back. So. Everybody in here that can possibly do it, let's do it in a couple of years. Thank you, Cynthia. Um, I agree with what everyone has said today, um, especially a lot of things that Selena said. Um, this is my second visit to Israel, and um, definitely if you can go once, go. You can go twice, even better. Uh, there's so much to see and to absorb that it's almost overwhelming. So going a second time kind of implants it a little bit better. Um, like Selena, I was baptized when I was a baby because I was Catholic. And my uh, goal was to be baptized here with all of my family present. And I shared that with Selena on the bus and she uh, convinced me that, no, you're here, you need to be married, you need to be uh, uh, 
baptized in the Jordan River. So I did, and um, I'm very grateful. And I had Pastor Roger, and we got past the, all the fish, <laughs> 18 inches long. And, um, <laughs> and um, definitely climbing Masada was previously. I had taken the cable car like most visitors, but Perry was our, our guide and kept <laughs> urging us that we could make it. It took us 45 minutes to climb this mountain. And um, Selena had her backpack on, which Perry and I did not have. So she had the extra little effort to overcome. But it was a wonderful trip in so many ways. Um, the Bible coming alive, um, visualizing places that you've read about for so many years. Um, and being able to share it with family and friends is, is, is what it's all about. So I encourage everyone to possibly come go and go a second time. Super. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>